want a box. I want to box box. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell. And it is back with a bang, all box, all the time. The number one podcast in all of combat sports. You're listening to it right here. Can I prove that? No. But critically, the critics can't be wrong. The SOC is back. The Brian Campbell, the voice that you hear. Look, when you got a needle this big and you're ready to inject it, overflowing with that performance-enhancing audio, you can walk around like you're swinging a big stick because Danny has a stick and so does the State of Combat. Back with you, recapping all that was in the week of Boxeo. Getting you fired up for Tyson Fury's ESPN top-ranked debut this weekend. Who's he fighting again? We already know that. Bob, where are you? Fury needs the Schwartz. Fury's going to get the Schwartz. And you know this show. Plenty of ridiculousness, but also we bring you the big interviews that you just need to hear. And they get no bigger than this week when Hall of Fame promoter Bob Arum, the voice you just heard, stops by for, let's just say, a colorful chat about the state of box today, about his future plans with his big names like Loma, Teo, Bud, etc. And maybe a little bit more about that man's recreational life, if you know what I mean. Yeah, man, he talks to Samson. Anyway, uh, look, you love this show? You're going to have to spread that forward. You're going to have to prove to us. Put your money where your mouth is. No, no, put your... No, it's your, actually, it's your bull. Why don't you just head on over to Apple Podcasts? Five star review season has hit us hard here. If you like this show, spread it forward, spread it wide, just spread it. Tell them BC sent you. Anyway, enough ridiculousness. Let me bring in my co-host because what a time to be alive and what a time to be Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lift you up. you down. Rafe Boogs, the New York Times bestselling author. I thought the biggest story of this week's show was going to be Bob Arum. Hello, Grandpa stopping by, speaking to us like we're tough, tough gang members. But no, Rafe, congratulations on your big reveal. Sources have said on Twitter today, Monday morning, that Rafe Bartholomew has a new job. He respects a lot of things. I respect box. I respect everybody. I respect everybody. Athletes. And speaking of athletes, Rafe, tell the people about your new gig, brother. Well, first of all, Brian, I have to say, I want, I want guys. I want guys, Brian. <laughs> many guys. Many. Yeah, yeah. How, how many guys were you, did you, did you really have in mind right there when, when you say that? I want, I want guys. Oh, God. I mean, you know. Many guys. Yes. Many guys. Yeah. Many guys. I mean, Rafe, when you're taking that into account, really. Let's look at the entire man. Well, I've looked at you, Rafe. It's a great time to be Rafe Bugs. Congratulations. The best long-form boxing writer in the game is back in the game. Well, look, I'm not going to call myself that ever. Uh, I'm looking forward to writing those kind of stories. There's a lot of good writers out there. I, I really do look, like admire the the work that Bryn Jonathan Butler does uh, as a pro stylist. He's up there with the best yeah, in boxing. Yeah, but this ain't about BJB, brother. This is about bugs, all right? 
Yeah, but I, I, I am a, I, I like to spread the love, but I will, I, I, I am thrilled about this job, this opportunity. I, we boxing fans who follow the sport like we do, who work, I mean, you actually have been working in the sport. I've been sort of tap dancing around the periphery in different ways for years. These kind of jobs don't come along very often, especially with some new outfit putting money into boxing and, and wanting to cover the sport, treat it seriously. So it's a great opportunity. It's a big responsibility. I want to do a good job. And it's just going to be fun, man. I, I I had a very good experience the last year editing at Eater. I ate well. I edited well. <laughs> I learned a lot. I I grew as a human being. But it's time for me to get back down in the dirt and put my balls on the line as a boxing scribe. I got my fleece on. I'm ready. Wow, wow. The Athletic, if you haven't heard, folks, they are in the combat sports game watching the MMA page last week with, look, a lot of big-name brothers that we know, the Chuck Mindenhall types, Josh Grosses, a lot of big-time names there. And they opened up the box vault today. The box, they're going to put a lot of box. They're sitting on a box. And it's you, Mike Coppinger, the, the the top copperator, the quality bulk. You're a, you're, you're a quality operator, a quality bloke, and a quality fighter. And Lance Pugmire of the LA Times. So shout out to this trio, Rafe. This is a this is a boy band. This is a power group. This is like uh you remember when uh Bill Biv DeVoe put out that uh remix album called WBBD Boot City and they got back together, new edition, and they put out Word to the Mother, and it was like this all-star track, and we were rock I mean we were not rocking out. We were R and B and out, Rafe. You were all sold out. I mean, I, every time I look at, through this computer screen at you, Brian, I just think he's got so much soul. Yeah, you're the Ralph Tresvent, I think, of this athletic signing. Is really. I wish I had that falsetto. Oh, uh, I mean, they, look, they hired me because they need a writer with sensitivity. Yes. yes. A guy like me. Oh, word, word, word to the mother. <laughs> Yes. All right. I, uh, I do not, uh, by the way, the athletic, not a service I have, but guess what, Rafe? Now that you're on board, it's a service I will have. All right. I'm glad you mentioned that, Brian, because I would be remiss not to say that if you subscribe today and there are links all over my Twitter feed, uh, Mike Coppinger's, Pugmire, Lance's, Lance Pugmire's feed, everyone's tweeting like a madman. There's a link right now up there for the, through the boxing launch where you could get it at, 40% off, $2.99 a month for the year. That's a pretty good deal. I, 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 when I was, you know, the Respect Box newsletter, when I was doing that, I always, I always kind of wanted to avoid coming out hat, hat in hand saying, please support me. Yeah. Here's my Patreon. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I, I do that for a lot of, a lot of services that I have, but I just was too proud personally to do it myself. This is a better value. You get whatever the heck I end up writing. Plus all the rest of the boxing coverage, all the MMA and everything else the athletic does. You go on that site and it's like they have, I mean, it's great. They have rescued every dying sports writer from Sports Illustrated and, uh, and every dying newspaper in the country. And there's a lot of good work on there because of it. Yeah. And if you, like you said, if you need it in the morning or the middle of the night, you ain't too proud to beg now, right? Uh, here I am begging. Wow. Uh, R.I.P. to Left Eye Lopez. Thank if you. If the loving is strong and you got it going yeah. on, I'm not too proud to beg. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, this is great. Hey, you and Cobb on the same team. This is like a, it's like Tango and Cash. This is like a buddy <laughs> cop movie. This is the new Cop Tega, brother. 
Wow, I, man, I didn't, I wasn't thinking of that, but yes, yes, we, we need a, we need a celebrity name together. I think you do. This is a, this is a couple, a power couple of box, if you will. Shout out to Lance as well. Shout out to, uh, Mexico. 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 Shout out to the Irish crew. Shout out to the Alex Godinez crew. Uh, Hello. shout out to Omaha. Shout out to Omaha, Nebraska. And shout out to the athletic. Welcome back, Rafe. Great to have you back. I'm sure though. Um, here's the deal. Did you never really left? You were with Grantland writing about boxing. You were with the ro- the rope Snapchat uh game for a while. You've been with this pod, but now you're back full time. But here's the question, Rafe, that the people listening to this want to know: your future on this podcast. How how are you going to put me in that position, man? I I don't have all the answers to that right now. I do know that the athletic wants to be involved in the box pod game. I don't know if they really have analyzed my tip yet and know how I do things. <laughs> I don't know if they even have a team to, that can analyze my tip. They because because. I do things a little bit different. I do things that other boxing podcasters don't do. I kiss a man on the mouth when I need to. When have you ever seen that? Who puts his balls on the line? Who can continue <laughs> dropping these references that no one understands all day? I make them flip cheeseburgers. I don't know if that's what they want in their boxing podcast. You know, I drive a hoopty. They might want a Lamborghini. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, wow. um, no, there, there's going to be some kind of podcast at The Athletic. I will probably be involved because I work there. It is my hope that I would not have to give up my role here as an ambassador for the brand, the athletic brand, to the great community of the state of podcast, the state of podcast, boxing podcast <laughs> with MMA and wrestling. I love how you're like, we don't, I don't want to give up my role yet. Triple G just knocked your role out, brother. All right. Steve rolls, brother. We'll get into that. Oh, uh, hey, yeah, the future is murky. We don't know, but it's great to have you there. DAZN, a service I have. I don't got that DAZN shit. Uh, no, I do though. And hopefully soon the athletic will also be a service we all have to support your work. Hopefully, Rafe, we'll keep hearing you on this podcast, making the box, making the magic. Yes. Not not some hours of the day. I don't agree with the part about me being horny all hours of the day. A few hours in the day. Yeah, I mean, look, you've maybe got a few hours in the day for this pod. We'll find that out. Let's yes. talk boxing. Let's talk Jeff Horn. Uh, all right, Rafe. Uh, before we talk about anything, hey, let's talk about a word from our friends and sponsors. Coming right at you. Dig it. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount+, Plus to try it free. Terms apply. 
And we're back. All right, Wayf, we were able to sell a few things. Uh, your books, by the way, they're still available online. BarnesandNoble.com, uh, McShirley's Kriegel and myself, two people I drank with. And also, uh, For Love of the Game, starring Kevin Costner and, and, and Rafe Bugs and Jackie McMullen. So pick up those books today. Purchase Rafe's new writing on The Athletic. Let's get into the meat of this show, Rafe, because that's what people like to eat. In these parts. I eat steak every day. All right. <laughs> Seriously, I meat like meat. I'm not big, you know, just I'm small guy. Just I need energy. All right, all right, Triple G. All steaks. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into Triple G in a second, but I wanted to invert the pyramid today. Uh, I think we're going to have a lot of people coming for this Bob sound. Bob Arum in the house. The Bob father. Grandpa. He's back on the show. He's got a big card this weekend on ESPN he wants to promote. He's got a lot to say about a lot of different things here. So why don't we say hello to him now? Yes. Cannot find the sound. This soundboard is out of control. Imagine, though, Isaac Dogbay saying, saying, Hello, Grandpa. It's your son, the Rostom. And here he is, the Hall of Famer, 87-year-old Bob Arum, coming your way. Enjoy. Bob Arum, it's Brian Campbell, CBS Sports. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Fired up as always, Bob. Always great to have you on the podcast. Talk about the latest news in boxing. Bob, you're a true legend in these parts, so thank you for your time, sir. Brian, it's a pleasure to be on with you. All right, we're getting fired up for the ESPN debut of Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight champion, June 15th, Saturday night, Las Vegas, Against the Schwartz. I want to start right here, though, Bob. How did you recruit Tyson Fury when he's coming off the big fight against Wilder? How did this relationship work between the two of you? Well, we have mutual friends, and we explain to Tyson Fury that other than boxing fans in the United States, people didn't really know who he was, and that it required a tremendous buildup so that he could go into the popular imagination as a sports celebrity, a sports star. And we then convinced him that we were the people that would be able to do it. And uh, today, uh, Tyson, after he finished uh, his training, is on a plane to L.A. He's, uh, for the next uh, day and a half, he'll be on every program imaginable, uh, in Los Angeles, uh, the excitement in Las Vegas is palpable. Uh, he's, we had, uh, an open house for all the media in Las Vegas. Uh, and, uh, he, uh, thanks to ESPN, which is doing a tremendous rollout on him next week. Uh, everybody, all sports fans will know Tyson Fury and that enhances his uh, marketability uh, down the road when he fights Wilder. Uh, The other alternative he had was to immediately do a rematch with Wilder, and I think that would would have been uh, letting a lot of money on the, leaving a lot of money on the table. So, uh, I mean, I think Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight out there. He'll prove that in the ring. I think he clearly beat Wilder the first time they fought. Uh, Joshua has uh, 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 shown himself to be uh, a uh, 
guy not nearly as good as people were talking about uh, in uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, so I'm looking forward to Fury, who has this amazing, uh, charismatic personality, uh, getting in the ring and showing how great he is. Bob, I fully agree with you on him being the best of the heavyweights today and that he did beat Wilder. I mean, you've seen every great heavyweight going back many a decade, literally here, outside of his drawing power and marketing, just his skill. How unique is it to have a six foot nine guy who can switch stances and have that level of speed and pedigree? I mean, could this guy have competed in any era in your eyes? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he would have uh, given uh, Muhammad Ali a run for his money. I mean, he may have, I'm talking about the early Ali, uh, before the draft situation when he was, uh, unbeatable, but, uh, Tyson Fury would have competed with Ali would have competed in the George Foreman era. Uh, he is really the goods. We haven't seen any heavyweight, uh, like him ever, ever Yeah, guys who were really the big six foot nine guys. Uh, couldn't move. Now, part of the, I don't know if there's, if you want to say baggage, that's a little disrespectful, but part of the Fury package is in the past he's fought weight issues. We know his incredible comeback from, from mental health issues, from substance abuse. When you go to sign him and you're looking at the financial risk and you know, it's not like he's walking right back into a big fight. He's coming back against a lesser name. Is there any fear that he falls off that wagon, that he doesn't put it, keep it together? Well, there's always fear, but the truth is we didn't jump into this casually. We researched it. I spent time with him. So I, I felt that uh, he had uh, truly uh, escaped his demons, and I had a tremendous uh, warrior, a tremendous fighter, uh, that I could market to the, to the, to the heights. Uh, now we all know his background that he, uh, uh, right after his great victory over Klitschko, which was a tremendous upset when he became the undisputed heavyweight champion, uh, he went into a depression and, uh, uh, really threw away two years of his life. But I think he's learned from that. I think uh, he, you know, when you talk to him, it's talking to an adult. It's talking to a guy who's been there, done that, and won't repeat that again. Now, could I be wrong? Of course I could be wrong. But, I, but you know, I've been around the block. I've been in this business over 50 years. And... I was willing to put my chips down on his line. Uh, now, that doesn't mean I'm going to be successful with, with that bet, but I think based on what I've observed, I think it's a good bet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And look, when you first signed him, the, the knee-jerk reaction of fans was, oh, great, now we're going to segregate the, the division even more. We got everybody on a separate network. But last week, you saw Deontay Wilder tweeted out that there's a deal in place, spring 2020, Wilder, Fury 2. Bob, I haven't heard your side confirm that. Can you confirm that? Is this the truth? 
I mean, I'm not saying it's not the truth, but I'm not going to confirm it. And why am I not going to confirm it? Because my guy, Tyson Fury, has to get in the ring on June 15th with an undefeated German fighter who I've seen film on. He's he's a very, very good fighter. I don't think he's as good as Tyson Fury, but he's a very, very good fighter. And he was up in my office last week, and he believes that he is here to win, and this is a great opportunity. So I ain't talking about any future uh, Tyson Fury fight until he beats Schwartz, and then we'll uh, discuss the whole Wilder situation at that point. All right, that's fair, and obviously Wilder has already announced he's going to be rematching Luis Ortiz in September. So if everybody won, and it doesn't even have to be Wilder, it could could be anybody else, but are you going to say here that the idea of joint network pay-per-views like we saw with Mayweather-Pacquiao, that's in play for Tyson Fury, whether it be Wilder or Joshua or anyone else? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. You know, to have... uh, a big event that this would be distributed by two networks rather than one, as long as the networks get along, uh, is, is is great because there's more publicity, uh, more eyeballs uh, looking in at the future fight. And it's a win-win situation. It's only a, a, a not a win-win situation if the networks and the promoters fight with each other and uh, that takes away from the event. But I'm confident with ESPN, which are the grown-ups in the sport business, uh, that ESPN, I know, will cooperate with whatever network uh, Wilder chooses uh, to uh, uh, make a unbelievably publicized event, which I believe can exceed... Two million pay-per-view buys. Wow, that is uh, that's ambitious, Bob. But I love the ambition because that first fight was, of course, uh, insanely dramatic. You mentioned there, ESPN's the adult in the room. That means you can sit with with Uncle Al Heyman and and coexist and get along. To get a good fight done, it requ- it sometimes requires cooperation between promoters. And networks and cooperation is not a bad word. No, I mean if that's what it takes to get it done, you try to get it done in a way that you enhance the product, not take it away. And I believe that having two networks involved in a uh, Fury Wilder fight uh, will be a plus. I love that. That is so refreshing to hear, Bob. On that idea. You know, DAZN is sort of doing something different. They're not doing traditional pay-per-views. They're doing sort of a streaming WWE Network type model. Could Top Rank ESPN work with them, or are they out of that idea? Well, you know, it's hard to see how you can make up for the pay-per-view revenue when you're looking at 2 million homes, which is, uh, you know, uh, at like... Uh, 150 million dollars. Uh, how do you do it? If you how do you make up for that? If you're not doing it on pay per view, now if the zone would somehow agree 
to do it on pay-per-view. Maybe it could happen with the zone's uh, 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 cooperation. Uh, but, you know, they're in a different business. They're in the streaming business, not in the pay-per-view business. And uh, I just can't see how they would play a part uh, in an event that would qualify as a major pay-per-view event. I don't see that. That doesn't necessarily mean that it can't happen, but I don't see how it can happen. Yeah. Uh, with on the other hand, with Wilder, who uh, has been with Fox or with Showtime, uh, those uh, entities would be great partners on a pay-per-view event. Absolutely. Bob, we saw a giant heavyweight upset just last week with your former fighter, Andy Ruiz Jr., getting the best of Anthony Joshua. Uh, what did you think about that for Ruiz and the idea of the first Mexican heavyweight champion and being that you formerly had a business relationship with him? Well, he's a lovely, lovely guy. We uh, parted on an amicable basis. I have nothing bad to say about Andy and uh, his people. Uh, Andy, uh, we schooled him. We put him, my matchmakers put him in the right fight. Uh, I can't understand how bad Joshua uh, looked on Saturday night. Maybe it was Andy, but uh, I, just something was wrong with Joshua. I agree. But that being said, Andy got really fast hands. He takes a very, very good punch. Uh, but, you know, he never exhibited the power uh, that he seemed to have on Saturday night. So whether it was Joshua or Andy throwing, you know, harder punches, I don't know but we'll have to see in the future. But that being said, all props to Andy. He's a great, great young man, and it's wonderful that he's now the heavyweight champion. Do you look at – I know you said it – I think you're right, the idea that AJ had a really bad night. Something seemed off. Do you think, though, that this is like the train coming off the tracks and he got exposed, or could he be another Lennox Lewis who gets caught in the prime of his career but comes back and wins the rematch? That's what – what, why boxing is so dramatic? We don't know. Do I? Could I know the answer of that? Of course not. I don't know. It, maybe Joshua was a built-up guy and wasn't as uh, terrific as people were talking about him. Uh, or maybe he just had a bad night, like Lennox Lewis had with, uh, with Hasim Rahman uh, many years ago. You know, or remember uh, Klitschko. Uh, True. You know, he got suffered two uh, tremendous uh, uh, defeats before he got a hold of Emmanuel and became a freight train where nobody could beat him until uh, Tyson Fury uh, won that fight against him. So I don't know. I don't know uh, where uh, Joshua is where he ha I mean, we'll have to see. Those are very good questions that you ask. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have the answer. Or nobody else has the answer to a certainty. Very true. Bob, you are a cutthroat businessman in this game. You're also a nice guy, but when AJ loses and one of your rivals, Eddie Hearn, takes a big L like that on TV, does part of you chuckle a little bit? 
No, not at all. Because, you know, when you're in this business as long as I have, you put yourself in the shoes of the other guy, the other promoter. And, you know, I know how bad I would feel. And so I can't really take any joy in uh, in Eddie, who's a, who's a, you know, a competitor, but a really nice guy. Uh, and I know how uh, he must have felt like his whole world uh, was coming apart. So, no, I, I had a lot of empathy for Eddie. And uh, he's a good guy, but he's, and he's a smart guy, and he'll figure it out. Oh, I love that answer. That was great, Bob. Uh, I want to talk to you about my favorite top-ranked fighter, Teofimo Lopez. I know you just announced July 19th he will be back, ESPN Plus, in a main event, a lightweight title eliminator against Masayoshi Nakatani. But there was a while there, Bob, where we were having Teofimo versus Lomachenko conversations. Is this still an idea in your head? Of course. On, let me give you the the... the the, uh, the the parameters on the 20 June Friday night June 28th 29th I forget which uh, on ESPN uh, Comey who's the IBF champion will be fighting Ray Beltran which is a very good fight uh, and then Tiafimo fights for the mandatory against the Japanese fighter uh, Tiafimo if he beats the Japanese on uh, in on July 19th, uh, will fight uh, the winner of Comey Beltran. Uh, and if he wins that fight, he becomes the IBF champion. Meanwhile, Loma is fighting uh, Campbell, Luke Campbell, a, a gold medal winner uh, from England uh, for the WBC championship. And if Loma wins that fight, he will have three of the lightweight crowns. And then uh, if all works out and Tiafimo is the guy standing with the IBF title, uh, the end of this year or the beginning of next year, uh, Loma and Tiafimo will fight for the all four belts. Wow. I mean, that's the, that's the way to really build excitement in the lightweight division. That might be a pay-per-view because, because Loma as a, I mean, Tiafimo as an IBF, lightweight champion fighting Loma who would hopefully have three belts. I mean, that's a big, big, huge fight. Oh, that's a creative fight. That's like a, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I have to see it type of fight. So I want to ask you when you're in this position and you have a hot young star like Lopez, but he's so young. Remember Fernando Vargas once looked like the next greatest thing. And maybe you can argue in hindsight, Vargas took the Trinidad fight too early, and maybe it set him back. Do you have any of those fears when you're promoting a Lopez, or do you just get out of the way and try to find out how great he is right now? No, you get out of the way because Lopez and his father believe that every that he could fight Tyson Fury and beat Tyson Fury. <laughs> so I get out of the way. I can't stop the the Lopez. Uh, Freight train. They're so confident, and they so much believe uh, in uh, in themselves that if I felt that it was too soon, and I told them that, they would override me. Wow! Wow! All right. Tell me about Bud Crawford, the welterweight champion. I think everybody agrees. He really looks like the best welterweight in the world at a time when the division is deep again. It's historic again. 
What, what can you give us? Do you have any secret welterweights in, in waiting that don't belong to the PBC that we forgot about? Can you get him yeah, into a big fight? Wait till you see. There are a number of them that we're going to be trotting out. And hopefully, I haven't announced the Crawford fight. They'll be fighting later this year. The fight I want to do is Crawford against Spence. And, you know, now that promoters are uh, sort of cooperating with each other a little bit, maybe we can make a Crawford-Spence fight before the end of the year. Wow. Wow, Bob. Bob, what happens when you call Al? Do you call him directly and he picks up? Is there acrimony? People care about this. What's that like? No, I mean, we're, we're, we're adults. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I'm his favorite guy, and he's not my favorite guy. But when we talk to each other, we talk like sensible adults, you know. And, yeah, I can call him anytime, and he can call me. And we pick up, and we talk, and we talk, you know. We don't shout and yell at each other or call each other names. Uh, we have a conversation. Wow. But does it go to the point of like, hey, Al, what are you doing this weekend? How's the family? Or do you stop short? No, there? no, none of that shit. None uh, of that. All right. That doesn't happen. That does not happen. But. but we t- because, because he's not my friend and I'm not his friend. But we can talk business together. There is a thing called the peace pipe, though, Bob. And you are an advocate for the the great qualities of marijuana. If we could get you and Al together in a pipe. Well, I don't know. Again, again, I can't, I don't know what Al does in his spare time. I mean, I'm happy to smoke a joint with Al Heyman or anybody else. I mean, I think that's, that you, people's personality come out a lot better when they're stoned. Maybe you guys come out making a Spence Crawford fight. That's all I'm saying. I love chatting with you, Bob. I gotta ask you well, also. Maybe I, maybe we know it's legal here. Marijuana, we got some of the great, great, uh, strains of marijuana being sold in Las Vegas. Maybe that's a good idea. Maybe that'll speed up a a Crawford uh, Spence fight if Al and I could smoke a joint together. Oh, this is amazing. Uh, Come on, let's make this happen. Uh, Bob, when was your last fist fight? Because you got some fire in the belly, Bob. Well, you know, the last fight I had was against Bernard Hopkins. Whoa! That's the truth. Bernard Hopkins was getting into it with uh, my uh, stepson, Todd DeBuff, and I let, next thing he knew that I jumped on his back, and he looked around, and he almost fainted. You know, I was this old guy attacking me. But that was the last fight I had, and Bernard apologized. Bernard's a good guy. Love it, love it. Bob, at 87, you're still on top of the game. You haven't missed a step. What are your hobbies in real life? What do you do when you put the boxing bat phone down for a while? Well, I I, I love, you know, politics, and I love uh, watching, uh, you know, MSNBC, CNN, and if I really want to get riled up, I tune on Fox, but I don't <laughs> recommend it for myself because the blood pressure goes up. Uh, and I, I do a lot of reading and, uh, you know, some exercise when my wife gets on my back. But uh, uh, I enjoy life. I love traveling. I do a lot of traveling. I'm going to, in July, be in Kazakhstan and Moscow and then in Japan. Uh, so, you know, life is good. Uh, I think the... Uh, one of the great advantages of doing what I'm doing 
is the ability to travel all over the world, whether it's uh, London or Belfast or Moscow or Kazakhstan or Japan. I mean, it's just great. You meet people and you realize that basically people, no matter what language they speak, are pretty much the same all over. Bob, this has been a joy. This is great. Final question here. You no longer promote Manny Pacquiao, but he's got a big-time pay-per-view coming up against Keith Thurman. If he wins, I'm not trying to do your job for you. Maybe there's business you can do with him. Well, that may be. But, you know, Manny is such a terrific guy, really a great guy. And he means so much to the Philippines and you know, they're looking at him as a potential uh, president, a potential leader. He's in his 40s. I'm just, you know, I just have nightmares of him taking too much punches yeah. at this age. And uh, that would uh, negatively impact on his political career in the Philippines. So, I mean, you know, I wish him all well. I hope he beats uh, Thurman. But I am nervous about Manny Pacquiao continuing in boxing. That's fair. That's fair. Are you? Would you say you got the closest to him of anyone you ever promoted, or do you keep that that line drawn for business? No, I. You know, I had some great guys like Ali, like George Foreman, like Oscar when I promoted him. Uh, Manny was terrific. It was. I had a great relationship with him. I still do. I mean, I, I, I admire him as a person, uh, but, you know, I can't help but wishing uh, that uh, he hung the gloves up, really, and concentrate on doing great, which he can do for the people of the Philippines. Yeah, that that's well said. I hope you never hang the gloves up, Bob. Keep going. Keep winning. Keep making big fights. It's been a pleasure to chat with you, sir. Best of luck Saturday night, June 15th, Tyson Fury and the Schwartz, ESPN Plus from Las Vegas. Thank you, Brian. Wow. Wow, Rafe. Look, Michael Irvin has said it on this show many times, many times about losing the recipes, about losing the icons of the sport. I don't want Bob to die before he does this show another 15 times, Rafe. I love that man. How is he so with it? Like, I'm waiting for his Bob Feller moment where he just comes on here and he's like, eh, all Filipinos belong in the kitchen. We're like, well, okay, Bob, that's the end of the, sorry, we had a good run with you, all right? Rafe. Why'd you have to go there, man? Sorry, I wanted to really hurt you with the. I wanted to illustrate the point and really just just injure you with the. You with think the Bob illusion. would turn on Manny like that? No, Bob's. I know, I know, they're not work currently subscribing to each other's well, platforms. You heard but... the end of that interview, Rafe, where Bob showed love. I heard it. He showed love for Manny. He said, "I don't think he should be fighting anymore. He can fight Thurman. That's fine, but I'm not looking to make Crawford Manny after this. I think Manny should walk away." And I really got the feeling in his voice that Manny is the one, Rafe. Everybody's got one, right? Like one, the one love of their life. And I'm not talking about sexual in this, in this case. I'm t- like, like, look, Freddie Roach all time, it's Manny. They, that's the one love of his life. But I think Bob and his connection to his fighters, I always felt like Manny was the one, Rafe. 
I think that's true. I mean, Manny is that guy for so many people. For me, I think it's uh, Sergio Martinez. I mean, you are you will always be the the true champion. You I'm will always you be my champion, Sergio. Yes. Your knee is not responding. I'm <laughs> I'm oh, glad you and to our listener Homer, who slid back in the DMs to send me to hell, saying that that was definitely an equilibrium <laughs> exactly. shot. Exactly. Stay in my DMs, brother. I'm I'm coming for you. Wow. Be very very afraid. The boxing world should be afraid. It should be very afraid. Yes. If only I had the sound of while of uh of uh Richard Dwyer talking about equilibrium shots, I could really prove to you, Rafe. What I was trying to say. Wow. I think I need training on my own soundboard. It's really bringing down the show's quality. It's really bringing down the rent. Brian, Brian, it's okay. There, we, we are coming out of a just whirlwind tour de force Bob Arum interview performance. Where do we even start there? So Wait, the point even... of this, of this shtick is, uh, Bob needs to live forever, Rafe. Because he's so great. At 87, we know he's still got it business-wise to make these shrewd decisions. But seriously, he comes on a show like this. He deals with my ridiculousness. And he just friggin' brings it. All right? Um, I do have to ask you the hard questions off of this interview, though, okay? He says, look, I'm not going to confirm Wilder Fury 2 until my guy wins on Saturday against the Schwartz. And the other guy wins against Luis Ortiz. Fair. I get it. Fair. Even though Steven Espinosa went on our good friend Raskin and Mulvaney's Showtime podcast and said, oh, no, it's a done deal, folks. All right? Cop was right. Uh, but what about Bob's line? Wilder Fury won last December. Overachieved at, what, 300-something pay-per-view? 300,000 pay-per-view buys? People thought like it may have over... 300, 350? Yeah, people thought it may have overachieved given the 2019 way of life, two unproven brands on American pay-per-view. He's not saying we're going to double that. He's saying spring 2020 when we do a dual network pay-per-view and it's ESPN and SportsCenter on one side and it's either Fox or Showtime on the other, two million buys. Dr. Evil finger next to the lip. From the lip to the cup, Rafe, do you understand that? Well, as they said, it is a long way from the lip to the cup and it will – something – Extraordinary will have to happen for Wilder Fury 2 to, to make it to 2 million buys. It could happen. You look at all of the interest in the heavyweight division. You look at the, the, the explosion of enthusiasm around the sport just because of the incredible upset of Andy Ruiz over Anthony Joshua. There, you could see how there is a path to that. But if you're an odds maker in Vegas, do you say that it's likely to happen? Do you give it, do you, do you is that a favorite? No, it's not a favorite. It, it is like you, you're get you're, you're making money on that money line. You're getting pretty heavy odds. Uh, you know, if you, if you come through on that, that's a really, because one, it's, that has never happened. It's totally unprecedented. No, no rematches generally do worse. Now there's a good reason to believe this rematch would do better because both fighters were being introduced to the pay-per-view market and blah, 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 blah. All those, those are real factors. I think it will do better than 300,000 buys, 350,000 buys. Two million? Has anyone not named, has, has there ever been a two million pay-per-view flight, fight without Floyd Mayweather involved? No, there hasn't. Tyson and Lewis came pretty close to two million. I believe one nine. I believe that was, was what they pushed. No, so the, the 25 two, years ago? Well, let's, let's re, let's refresh the records off the top of our heads. 4.6 for Mayweather Pacquiao, 4.4 ish for Mayweather McGregor, and then you drop down to what? Uh, 2.2, 2.4 2. 
for Mayweather De La Hoya, 2.2 for Mayweather Canelo, and I don't, am I missing one in that? I think that's all of them. I think that's all that have exceeded two, uh, unless there's a, oh, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor for UFC just last October did, did go over two. Um, yeah, Rafe, that's rarefied air. He also said Bud Crawford and Amir Khan would get to one, and what did they do? Like, uh, they did. About 150,000. Yeah, so they he, did he, was only, he was levels. only overestimating by like 90%. But certainly I love the ambition of that statement, and certainly I love the idea, Rafe, that look, boxing for the last 10, 15, 20 years, this modern times in boxing that a lot of us grew up in, you're, you're doing pay-per-view buys. You're making it hard for people to find your fight. And you're promoting these pay-per-view cards usually on premium cable like HBO and Showtime. So you're already pointed at a very small audience. What about, Rafe, if you're using not one but two major networks? And should the PBC choose Fox for this, potentially using, since this fight would be in the spring, the NFL playoffs on Fox playoffs to actually promote this along with SportsCenter on ESPN? Look, $2 million is absurd. But can, with the uptick of heavyweight lately, can we go one, one and a half? Can we actually, I mean, does it, is there a ceiling on the potential for what this could be? Since, look, Rafe, say it yourself. Wilder and Fury can both talk, and the first fight highlights are pretty damn incredible to look back on. Yeah, I think they can build the fight. I think it would be reasonable to say that, yeah, it's a good chance to get over a million even. Two million sounds a little bit crazy. You got me, you, you got my mind just doing backflips though, Brian, and it has nothing to do with pay-per-view numbers. You said if this fight lands on Fox, which is a good, uh, or at least a co-production with Fox, and that's, there's a good chance that that could happen. You know why I need that to happen, Brian? Because I know the man who hosts <laughs> PBC on Fox face to face. You've never seen and that I show. Need Be to honest. See him in between Rafe. Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Oh my God, Brian. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. He was gonna, you were going to be in the middle. You could be in the middle of speak and believe it, receive it. First of all, speak and believe it, receive it. I speak and believe it, receive it. To this day, you're getting me fired up, but let's be honest about our friendship, Rafe. All right. You know what I'm saying? I I know Jeffrey Bartholomew. We good friends. I love your daddy, but let's get it on. You've never seen face to face. Don't act like you've seen it, Rafe. All right. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I love Fox face to face. You've Ryan, seen more Katie you... Taylor fights than you have episodes of PBC face to face. You're be telling really me honest. I'm not because I ain't <laughs> and I won't. But, but with that said, how about that idea? How about that vehicle? How about this guy BC driving that vehicle? Wow, brother. Maybe we'll get to two million. I was going to say, yeah, the, the BC factor is, is something is really not being thought of in this whole equation and yeah that may just kick it over the top to the two million they talk about performance enhancing drugs ahead of big fights uh big baby miller tried that didn't get there i would go on peds for that episode i would do speed get me an eight ball on line one rafe you can't handle your speed son i would handle my speed son for that episode that would be wild rafe wow yeah wow you think you think tyson still got a hookup for that no he won't uh all right what about bob saying not only does he love the idea of Lomachenko against Teofimo Lopez, the powerful pound king against really the most promising of many top-ranked prospects right now, arguably this year, Rafe, later this year. And to get there, Loma would have to beat Luke Campbell to retain a pair of titles at 135. And after Teo returns, I think in a month or two, he's going to be on the ESPN card in Maryland against some Japanese guy. 
And uh, he thinks in between, Teo would then get a title shot, then win that title, and then in December, we could – I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just – that could be a pay-per-view fight for us. That's what I said to Bob. I don't want to put ideas in his head because I know they like to do that Heisman Trophy one each, each December. But what about December? Teo and Loma, bro? Like, are you kidding me? Loma Teo. I it, it just got, it flows right off the, the tip of the tongue. Yeah, it's great. Uh, look, the only problem here, Brian – hello, Slack. The only problem here, Brian, is – I don't know. How, that's a lot of fights to make in one year. That's a lot of things to happen. So you're telling me that, that Teofimo Lopez in the last three months of 2019 is going to have three fights? He's going to beat some Japanese guy or some Thailand guy, the man that he's fighting next in July. I have a then fight. He's, what, then he has to fight uh, Richard Kami. Then, then he has to make a fight and beat – or not beat, but fight Vasily Lomachenko. That's a lot of fights to make and, and – Box. I wish boxing moved that fast, but it often doesn't. Race. He he would have to see many guys in 2019 for that to happen and get through them and knock them out. Wow. So it's ambitious, Rafe. And I believe Richard Comey was the fight that he said, uh, what Teo or would be fighting the winner of potentially. So it's not like it's an easy path to get there. But let me tell you a tweet. You know Dan Canobio? We like that brother. We love that brother oh, yeah. actually. From Canobio and Sons CompuBox and the uh, Inside Boxing Live. Do you ever watch his pod? You've been on it, right? Oh. Yeah, I've been on it. I've seen it. It shows up in the Twitter. I like it. On Showtime, a service I have. Well, Compu, inside Compu, inside Boxing Live is a service I have. He put out this tweet that 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 popped my cherry, as Teddy would say. That really effing got up inside on me. You ready for this, Rafe? The second half of 2019 is shaping up nicely. Here we go, Rafe. Okay, right now it's what June. We're about to enter the second half of 2019. Here's the fights that Dan Canobio Box says could happen. Oh, I saw this. Joshua Ruiz two. Canelo, Triple G3, Wilder, Ortiz 2, Pacquiao, Thurman, Spence, Porter, Loma, my cousin, Luke Campbell, Jarrett Hurd, J-Rock Williams 2, Harrison, Charlo 2, Danny Garcia, Mikey Garcia, Onue, Nonito Donero, Regis Prograde, and Josh Taylor in the WBSS. Hooker, we got Hooker headlines. Hooker and Ramirez unifying on DAZN and Usyk against some heavyweight guy. Raphael. <laughs> Rafe, are you kidding me? We're back, brother. What a year this could be. Brian, most, all these fights have been well in discussion for a long time. I you, know, did, but did, I have did, no you, sense did, of did time. Just help the packaging, you saw it all in one. Yes. Nice long package, and you're just like, "Oh, I like that." What other sport is going to give you that type of package, Rafe? I mean, seriously, I'm I, God. I cannot find that sound anymore, Rafe. Seriously, I mean, I got to pour one out for Nas here. I cannot find your best stuff. It used to be on my board. Anyway, Dwyer took it over, Rafe. Brian, um, this is not an in between. This is not the every other year theory. Box is back. Sound terrible, Brian. I think you should finish. Oh, come on, come on. <laughs> anyway, um, that would be great. And here's what Bob extended to, saying very confidently, all right, he's not going to call up his Russian and his Lithuanian or his Mexican. No Cavaluskis on this timeline. No mean machine. No uh, best Putin. He wants Bud Spence. And, and now, look, it could be just Bob posturing because he doesn't have leverage or any other welterweights. But he's saying almost matter-of-factly that he thinks we can get Bud Spence at the end of this year 
And then when I pushed him a little bit, when I tickled him about Samson Rafe, he came back with, and I'll smoke a joint with Al Heyman to make that happen. Woo, brother. Please put it, put some context to this. Put, wrap it up. What do we got here? That is a great all time Bob Arum line. Maybe not all time. He's had such a career that coming up with Bob's all time greats would be almost impossible. But man, uh, is it great? He, he, he brings it. You are right. That was hilarious. I don't think he is telling the truth, but you know, I'm telling the truth today. Yesterday I was lying. That's, that's Bob Arum for you. Do you actually believe, Brian, that we could see Errol Spence and, and Terrence Crawford fight by the end of this year? No, 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 no. That's, that's not allowable. No, I don't think, I think that's ambitious. I think that's got to be a marination station type, may, may pack type build. I mean, if we're already getting oh, the don't, ones. Don't, don't put that evil on me, Ricky Rafe, Bobby. That's I, I a mean, lot of marinating. Look, there's only like, look, I love to shoot things off, but there's only so many bullets in that chamber for 2019. Like, we can't have it all. There's not even enough pay-per-view dates for all the fights Dan Canobio just put out there, Rafe. All I'm saying is I don't think that's possible, but I want to spin it back at you. If we did talk to Samson and we set this up, you know, like with the legalization of this substance, there's a lot of like, there's like, did you see the weed party buses they got out in your state? You can basically like pay a couple hundred bucks and just get high in this like party bus and they drive around to different places. What if we got, we chartered one of those? We put Uncle Al and Grandpa on there and we put paperwork in front of them. One sheet of paper said Bud, the other sheet of paper said Spence by murder. And we said, don't come out of here until we have a fight. I say five minutes, we got it. Yeah, that could, that, that's what I, look, it's not us that needs to do that. It's Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford that needs to set up the party bus in Vegas, Nevada, any of these legal weed states, you know, anywhere, anywhere where they don't have to smoke the cancer sticks because we all know that Mr. Cancer, he can be a very dangerous man. Oh, I should have brought that up to him. You gotta talk to Mr. Cancer, but he'll never talk to you, right? Well, if he had a chance to talk to him, seriously, could that, could, could, could the, uh, could peyote be the, uh, the missing ingredient in that negotiation? Forget Nick Khan. If we got peyote involved, oh. Rafe, do we have a fight? Uh, yeah, it, it can't hurt. Maybe they should have dinner together at a steakhouse or, or Les Moonves. I know he's not, he's not, uh, his star is not rising these days, but he, I know he helped out a lot with Maypack. Get, get Les on the horn. Oh, wait, can we get a waiter get on, on Les's horn? No, get off Les's horn. Uh, who's Jeff Horn? I got so many disrespectful things to say about Les Moonves. Oh, come on. You're killing me right now. Oh man. Uh... <sighs> let's talk Jeff Horn. Let's not. Let's not talk Jeff Horn. Uh, all right, Rafe. Uh, I don't know, Rafe. That, it's a little too ambitious, but it got me excited. Team Spencer, it don't make sense. Team Spencer, it don't make sense indeed. I want to close on this Bob talk. It's been all fun and games, but um, did you hear what he said about Tyson Fury? We're going to break down that fight this weekend. I don't want to talk to you about the Schwartz right now, but I want to talk to you about something our good friend Richard Dwyer has echoed. Hi, it's Dwyer. Yeah, week of the fight, we know. Um, This is what Bob basically said. Fury's not a good heavyweight. He's not even a very good heavyweight. He's a historical heavyweight. Rafe, Fury is Mordecai Threefinger Brown. He's Walter Johnson. He's... Whitey Ford, Rafe, okay? But all jokes aside, 
And of course, Bob's going to laud him. And by the way, I did like Bob saying, look, I took the time to do research on Fury. We didn't just throw money at him. We figured out if his head is in the right place, if he's going to be back on on his own peace pipe. Bob's saying Fury really is a historical heavyweight that he's seen them all, Rafe. All right. He wasn't around for Jack Johnson, but he's probably in a baby carriage somewhere. I'm going to point it back on you for all the jokes we say. Is Fury really, are we really watching one of the historical, unique heavyweights of all time who could fight in any era? Rafe, where are you going to find a 6'9 guy who can switch stances and is willing to do that to people and doing things that other people won't do? Where are you going to find that? I think it's fair to wonder if Tyson Fury is that historical heavyweight that Richard Dwyer believes he is, that we have seen him be on occasion in his career, right? He has historical level talent, but there's only one way to become that kind of heavyweight or that kind of legendary figure in the sport of boxing, whatever division you're fighting in, and that is to make important fights, to to win. I know he's the lineal champion, and I have no problem with him calling himself that, but go ahead, challenge for a title. I mean, he's look, Wilder Fury 2 is happening, so he's doing that eventually. But it's not happening this year. Right now, we get the Schwarz. And it's not just a, 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 getting a chance to win or set that, set that record straight and get that win he deserved in the first fight against Wilder in the rematch, if he can. It's going on beyond that and beating and, and, and making a statement. If he is that historical heavyweight, Brian – I don't want to just see him do it on four great nights, right? Beating Vlad, the draw with Wilder, one more fight with Wilder, maybe a fight with whoever is still around. If if Joshua comes back and beats Ruiz, another huge fight. No, stick around, clean out the division, make that statement. Is that going to happen in today's boxing world with all this ridiculousness, especially with Tyson Fury looking like he's generally keen to play the – risk-reward money game and and wait for the big fights to happen while while speaking out of both sides of his mouth and fighting the Schwarz. I I, want to see him do it. He's got the talent. I hope he does it. Yeah, well, first this weekend. Make that money, player. He certainly will. It's just the reason why I put that question to you is because we talk on this show like, wow, if it could happen, like you're saying, if the best actually fought the best, would Fury be – is he really the pound for pound best heavyweight right now? And that's a very micro way to look at it, but I'm stepping back and saying macro, is this his era? Like if he ends up beating Wilder in the rematch cleanly and then beats Joshua and then I don't know, beats Usyk, like are we looking at like potentially this isn't just a renaissance heavyweight era, but if he can stay on track and keep looking skinny and ha- and is still young and what's he like 30, maybe this really is his era, Rafe. Maybe he is an all-time historic great, and we'll see that once he just gets more innings out there and, in, 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 you know, this weekend. Think about Tyson Fury. He's fighting some guy named Schwartz. I know, Rich. Rich. <laughs> right? yeah, laugh it up, Rich, okay? Laugh it up. Wow. Wow. You're feeling it, Rich, right? You're, you're, you're feeling it. But I, I don't know. I, I just start to wonder that, Rafe. I start to wonder that, okay? Bob. Big move. That's a big move, Simon Fury. Okay, let's make some fights happen. Uh, Rafe, we got to look back at the weekend that was. It, it wasn't that busy of a one. It was a big-time UFC weekend, and I know you don't care about that, Rafe. I can bring in Bob one more time on that if you really wanted me to. But uh, Triple G was back, and that stole the headlines in the zone. A service I have. Patina, uh, pizza rolls was the opponent. And Rafe, despite having a couple moments, wow. 
Triple G took his whole soul away. Wow, brother. Uh, Triple G versus Jobbers, still good entertainment. Of course. I mean, what, did, did we think that was not going to be the case? I, look, I give a lot of credit to Steve Rolls for, for fighting, fighting a ballsy fight. He went out there and tried to take it to try, you know, tried to really fight with Triple G, looked good in the second and third rounds, landed some good punches. Look, we know that it's not, that hard to land a punch on Triple G if you're an, a professional fighter I, I, in who's a good you know on the good enough level to be in the ring with him to get an opportunity with him. We've seen Gabriel Good Boy land solid punches on Triple G. We've seen Willie Monroe land solid punches on Triple G. We've seen Steve Rolls now land tri- good solid Hell punches Brooke. on. Vanis caught him a little bit in the first round. You know what happened to all those guys shortly thereafter? Poppy, they almost <laughs> died. <laughs> They broke their face. Rafe, do you know how hard you have to punch, as Roy Jones once told us, to break a guy's face? Very hard. Uh, yeah, so I thought it was interesting when Steve Rolls did that flying jab. It was almost like an MMA Superman punch, and it snapped Triple G's head back. That was like a whoa. But overall, it went to script, and it was a vicious kind of looping, angling left hook that sent Steve Rolls down basically face first and looked like he was out cold. To his credit, he got up. Tried to beat the 10 count, was was wobbly. They waved the fight off. It's hard to make real real takes in fights like that. But, Rafe, Triple G's 37. I know the power's still there, the, the craft, the setup. I didn't see a prime guy in there. I didn't hear a lot I'm of people. You, Usually Twitter is right on crapping on everybody. Twitter will crap on somebody right in their damn prime. I didn't see enough people saying what I felt in my heart was that Triple G looked a little bit slow. He looked a little bit plodding. I mean, the, the guy's 37, and he, he's in silk pajamas now. He just signed a $100 million check, more or less, with the zone. And I and then look, he's always going to have that power. I got hit like a train, and every single punch yes. is like a train. Uh, but I might have to be off the train that Triple G is, like, kind of standing next to his prime. I think he's a couple train stops down from that now. I think at this point, it's... Look, we don't know for sure. I, I, I we want to be cautious in in drawing conclusions out of this because we've seen Triple G. We suspect that he may have carried fighters before. We know he's got a great chin. He, he, he we, we, you know, but there are other fights you can put. The Willie Monroe fight is sort of the, the classic example where you look at it and you're like, did he? Maybe let that go an extra couple of rounds so, so they could stretch that out a little bit. Does he not mind taking a punch? Cause he, he's pretty, he's confident. He's, it's not going to hurt him that bad to, to make it, make for better TV or more fun. I don't, I, I try to resist that kind of speculation, but it is, it's always been out there with Triple G. And even if, even if not, you know, even if not, and that wasn't happening at all and Steve Rolls was just catching him. Triple G just knows that he can take those punches and will get to a guy like Steve Rolls, and that's exactly what happened. So it is hard to to take to draw big examples, but yeah, he looked slow. He looked slow. I can't. You, I love that. I love Triple G. I was. I like. I will put it on my tombstone that I saw his U.S. debut, yeah. Turning Stone, Labor With Day, your 2012. Daddy. I brought my daddy. Um. And we got it on, not like that, but like we got it on watching a Triple G fight. You know, we got we got it on with a couple waitresses. No, we didn't do that either. Um, oh, wow, that was, sounds like a Cali party. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> but 
Triple G, yeah, he looks like he's slowing down. He, he, nothing, this is not the same fighter. I mean, cue, revisit his collaborations. Cue up those two, those fights from five, six, seven years cue ago. Up watch the, the Frogs fight. Watch, watch him take apart washed Gill. Watch yeah. what he does to Matthew Macklin. So now these guys were not necessarily prime chant, like, like high, like elite top three middleweights by any stretch at, at when he fought them, but, they were, that is they a were beyond fighter. serviceable. Okay, they were they were upper guys. They were upper. They're top ten guys. You mentioned that uh, at MSG before the uh, Joshua fight. I uh, I had some drinks with Matthew Macklin. Met him at an Irish, but didn't set it up to meet him. He walked in. I talked to him. I'll give the guy credit, Rafe. Okay, the first in, on cam interview I ever did. It was April thirteenth, twenty thirteen. Why do I know that? Because it was the same day as Donaire Rigandau. At uh, Radio City Music Hall it was that that morning. Shout out to Bertie Barmazel, promo, uh, uh, PR guy for the Stars. He set it up in a hotel room where it was me interviewing Triple G on cam, wearing a cardigan, which you tweeted about before we knew each other, Rafe. That was a uh, yeah. And also, was, was I was I clowning you, man? No, you were clowning Triple G's cardigan. I was like, all right, oh, oh that was a ridiculous cardigan. Yeah, I remember yeah. that one. And then I interviewed uh, Matthew Macklin from a rooftop with the Empire State Building in the background. It was awkward. It was my first time on cam. Whatever. Rafe, I hadn't talked to Matt Mack since then. He walks in. I go, hey, Mack the Knife. He goes, hey, aren't you that dude that interviewed me for the Golovkin fight on top of that building? I was like, bro, I got this picture right here in my phone. We broed out. Anyway, as we started to bro out and have a couple beers, of course I'm talking about fights. I'm telling them Barker had no business getting up from that body shot against Wash Gill. We have a laugh about it. I say, why didn't you fight Barker? He doesn't really answer. But then I go, yo, dude, what happened in that Golovkin fight, man? I was there sounding like a shotgun. And then I realized I got a little too bro-y with him, and I brought up a bad memory, and he gave me one of those, like, I'm still a fighter, and I'll still, like, like, and he goes, what happened in that fight? What do you think happened? So, uh, yeah, man, that was some prime ass triple G, bro. Like taking people apart. Don't fall in love with that guy though, Rafe. Don't fall in love with a fighter who no longer exists. exists. So, um, he- you gotta look at the whole man. Brian, one thing that I did get kind of the, the degenerate in me got a little bit excited for watching triple G age is that if he sticks around, cause the power is going to be there. And if his chin hold, if his chin holds up and he turns into like a 42 year old <laughs> warrior someday, just getting in sl- not, and I wouldn't even be sloppy, but just slow, disgusting action fights with, with guys who are a little bit younger than him, that could be some really, really disturbing, thrilling entertainment. Yeah, because he'll, he'll have the I, technique. I kind of hope he rides out on the – he gets a great win and rides out on his uh, – on uh, on the sunset in a chariot with with Cal, Cali Sourland ladies, uh, like, pulling him along the way, but not, <laughs> not pulling him. Everybody's like, oh, God, I got to stop. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Pour water on me. Cool me down. Yeah, please. Pour, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's – he's still going to make fun fights, and, boy, it washed him – as a brawler because of that technique would be amazing. It'd be like that story of Jack Dempsey at 78 walking down the street and knocked out a shop, a purse catcher. You still got that technique and that pop. You're still going to be able to take people out, but we're not talking about down the road. We're talking about September. We're talking about, you are next, my friend. or is he Rafe Golovkin on this podcast last week said 99% said, no, no, no. Canelo doesn't run the show. He's just a fighter. He's not promoter. Oscar, of course, uh, trolled Triple G. I think you saw that with his tweet. 
But everybody around that, the cops, your your coworker, the cops on Twitter are like, enough of this song and dance, guys. DeZone calls the shots here. This trilogy fight in September is all but guaranteed. Uh Canelo can say what he wants, but he ain't jacking. Rafe, I don't know, bro. Even with Canelo signing for $4 billion with that deal, I kind of feel like he's in control. I know DeZone really wants this trilogy fight. I just feel like when it's all said and done, if Canelo doesn't right now and, the, and he says Cinco de Mayo next year, it's going to be Cinco de Mayo next year. This is all speculation. This is all just us back and forth over a beer, even though this is a uh, zero drink minimum podcast this morning at the moment. Um, who wins in a, in a, in a tug and war of kindness between Canelo and DeZone if it comes down to that? Because we know Canelo basically said Triple G doesn't have a title. Doesn't interest me. So that, that, that does interest me. And with if it were any other fighter besides Canelo, boxing's number one preening heel, the guy who basically, if you tell him that it has to be one way, he might just say, you know what? I'm Canelo. I want to do it this way. And just to show you that he is in control, I, I feel like he's got that in him and I like that about him. He fights that way. He does not respect – people are beneath him. He believes no – he thinks he is a god. And so far, he's done enough to uh, to at least not be as ridiculous as you or me walking around acting that way. So, uh, I, I mean, I, and, and it's obviously a, a good mindset for a, for a fighter. So I do see how Canelo could maybe hear this and, and everyone's saying, oh, forget, stop, stop trolling, stop playing. This is happening. DAZN wants it. DAZN is the boss. I, it, that has never been the case in boxing, right? The fighter is the boss. That is one, it, it drives fans crazy, but in some ways for star fighters, it, it, this is the one sport where a star fighter looking to maximize his earnings, maximize his leverage can do that. And we've seen them do that. Canelo has been pretty darn good at it throughout his career, probably because he fought Floyd early and learned and started taking, watching everything Floyd did. And for better and worse, his pattern done some Floyd like maneuvers. Um, so yeah, I could see Canelo pulling a, uh, pulling the okie doke and pulling out the rug and saying, I know this is what you want, but it's not what I want. And I am the star because that's yeah. true. And, I hope and, that's and not I, the case. I hope the reporting is true. The zone seems confident. The people, the insiders like Mike Coppinger and Lance and whoever, everybody else, you know, Dan Rayfield, they're all reporting on it. Seems like they're confident that it happens in September. I hope it does. I hope they're right. But yeah, Canelo, I consider him the type of dude who might just say, I don't care what you want. I am Canelo. Yeah, yeah, exactly right there. Um, I thought the zone was going to hit us between the eyes with some great fights. Well, that's their plan, Richard. So I could see Canelo doing the, hey, didn't Rafe on this podcast say one for you, one for me? That's how I do it. And going, look, Callum Smith ain't no joke. I'll be moving up to 168 again. We can do this at Wembley and do 79,999. But... Then again, Rafe, DAZN has spent more money on Canelo and Triple G combined than fighters typically get. I mean, the Canelo deal is bigger than the Showtime Floyd deal, right? I mean, this is mass, is it? I don't want to speak out of school. Was yeah, it? Was. I mean, like, this is massive money. So. Although Floyd probably made more on account of pay-per-view yes, upsides, yes. but it's guaranteed at least the, the, so Floyd will end up richer. Canelo was, had a bigger guarantee. Dwyer will also end up richer. 
because that's his name, Rafe. No. See, I've entered into money, just, player. Yeah, bad, bad dad jokes, dad, bad dad jokes. It's just, yeah, yeah. All right. To paraphrase Diddy and B.I.G., more money, more problems. True. Brian, true. Um, may I ask you? Yeah. Uh, engage your conspiracy mind a little bit. Do you think that maybe, maybe Triple G going into the fight with Steve Rolls was conscious of Canelo possibly jerking him around in September and not giving him the fight right away? Wanted to give Canelo every reason to give him that fight and said, maybe I'll take a little speed, little, little something off my fastball. Maybe I'll let, Maybe I'll look a little extra vulnerable. Maybe, yeah, I'm aging. I'm slowing down, but I might not be as vulnerable as I am or as I will look. Maybe I will set this up so Canelo will feel, all right, I don't care. Let's just take him out. He's, he's, he's ripe for the picking. I mean, you just kind of argued that he did that ahead of the first Canelo fight in the Willie Monroe fight. And maybe he came out there and wasn't being fully genuous. Maybe he was being disingenuous. What am I talking about? Salami here? Maybe he was saying, um, I'm not going to throw with full power. I'll pump fake more than once. He'll pump it. He pumps it more than once. It's interesting, Rafe. Um, it is interesting. I just hope that if you're Triple G, you get that now. Canelo waited you out two years to begin with. Then we had to wait another thing when Tainted Meat entered the lexicon. We had to wait an additional few months. Let's just get that fight over with, Rafe. I think we all agree, like, Canelo has the edge. He's improved a lot more since the first Triple G fight than, he, you know, to now. So with Gennady being a little bit older, it's already sort of odds against him. I would love if they did it, and we get a little magic, okay? I think that's magic. You know what magic I'm talking about? Old guy magic. Now, Canelo, not old. So it's hard to make this same comparison. But You're talking my... about the kind of magic, Brian. You're talking about the kind of magic that will have you running up on Gennady Golovkin in a casino yes. someday. Yes. Ten years from now. Covering your eye. Saying, champion. Champion. <laughs> talking to him in Spanish, even though he's Kazakh. Giving him Mexican-style Well, he does know a little bit. Saying, Boy, you had no business. Fuck. Yeah, you had no business fighting like that. So basically over my right shoulder in my office here, Rafe, I got the Pacquiao Marquez 4 poster. And look, people forget, when they think about that fight, all they think about is the knockout. They forget that that fight is the best fight in boxing since since Corrales Castillo won. Because two top five pound-for-pound guys who happen to be old guys went in there and fought like it was Hagler Hearns. Like they brawl. That's the modern day version of a Hagler Hearns type fight where two stars have grudges against each other and are just like, F it. We're going for it. Canelo's in his prime shouldn't be lured into that. But what if Triple G could lure him into that? What if Triple G, who did, by the way, play it safe just enough in the first two fights that when he didn't win either one, even though we cried corruption and all this, we still kind of said, but you can spin it back on Triple G and be like, bro, you never tried to go to the body. You never kind of, you know, with the chin as being that strong, you never just went for it. Yeah, they the second fight, they, they had some a really good two-way action, but never went for it. What if old guy Triple G says, I'm testing this chin out. I'm willing to get dropped a few times. I am going in there. I will be more man than you. I will have bigger huevos and Rafe. We have one of those all-time effort. This is the defining fight of my career. I will be remembered 
Yeah, I tied the middleweight record against a bunch of jobrones. Not really, but I'm, I'm being a blow, blow, blow here. But when I finally stepped up and fought Danny Jacobs, close decision, people thought I lost. Canelo couldn't get over the hump. What if he just said, hell or high water, this is a six round fight and I am the real Mexican style? I think that's magic. Wow, I just got myself real fired up for that, Rafe. Wow. This is my style, like Mexican style. This is fight. This is not game, this fight. I love fight. I love it too. Thank you. Um, there's nothing to talk about on the undercard, Rafe. You got anything else on Triple G or can we roll on here like a deodorant stick? Let's roll on. Steve rolls, baby. Steve Willis, another great performance. Thank what what was up with Steve Willis? Like pinning Steve Rolls into the ropes with his crotch. I know you're supposed to, the ref is supposed to like protect the guy who's been knocked out from getting up too soon. But Willis really leaned into that. Like he put his whole pelvis into Rolls and was like, nope, you ain't going nowhere, bud. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that was a little interesting. It was very Jack Reese teabaggity, right? I little, want guys. I want, I want, hello, hello, friends. Hello, guys. I want guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is the part where I pause and then try to find the sound. Uh, you know what's the only thing worse, Rafe, than me doing the "Are you with me?" is me doing the same thing to my soundboard. Like, hey, soundboard. But this is a way that is, but but there are far degree. We're talking levels here. There are levels to this game, and by far the worst is the "Are you with me?" game. That is true. That is true. Hey, there was a guy in Reno on Saturday on ESPN, and it was Oscar Valdez defending his WBO featherweight title with a unanimous decision victory over Jason Sanchez. Rafe, I did not watch this because of the UFC and Triple G. I'm sorry. I'm being honest with you. Wide scores for Valdez. Moves the chains. Let's see him in there against someone who matters. Tell me why I should go back and care enough to actually watch this before I professionally put out a boxing podcast. Well, Brian, the answer is because Valdez is just fun as hell to watch. He's always fun to watch. He is a, he's, he, he takes more risks than he should for his Olympic pedigree. I mean, I don't think of him as the slickest boxer in the world, but he still, he goes in there and fights when he doesn't really have to against guys who don't really have a great shot against him or shouldn't like, like back, revisit his collaboration with my man, Henesis Cervania, Pinoy Pride, Pinoy Power. Wow. Really, that was a bro. That was a war. It didn't have to be. And you, that Valdez does that, and he's fun. And the reason to watch is because it's setting up. He's there's top rank. This is a nice thing they're doing. They are setting up for some really awesome fights in the featherweight division. They're talking. They got Carl Frampton waiting in the wings. Josh Warrington fights this weekend. If he gets through that fight with Kid Galahad, both of them could be future Valdez opponents. Or they that one of them beats Valdez and they rematch each other of a really fun fight last year. That's that's some fun ass stuff. I'm down with that, folks. This is the kind of fight that's going to stop traffic. I think it'll get me to care. I think I'm with that. Look, he talked about after the fight wanting Frampton. Hey, MTB, MTK Global, make that fight. Thank you very much. Hey, Rafe, let's speed through the latest news this week. Uh, Zab Judah did come back last weekend. Cantastota, Verona, fight weekend. Got stopped in the 11th round at age 41 by Cletus Selden. And then checked himself into the hospital the next day while not feeling good. There was no induced coma, which originally Twitter falsely reported. A lot of thoughts and prayers out there, obviously, for Zab Judah. Um, turns out there was a brain bleed. Pretty serious stuff. He's resting with his family now, doing doing fairly well. Scary, Rafe. I mean, that, I mean it's, the, it's the reality of the sport. It's it's freaking scary. Yeah, it is scary, and it's another reminder. And uh, it's, I think, at least better news than it seemed to be at first. And 
it sounds like Zab has a good chance of making a, a more or less full recovery. And, you know, I think that means it's the end of his career and that's fine. He's had a really good career and he's also a really good guy. He's been cool with us when we see him Love every time that. we've interviewed him, been introduced to him randomly in casinos. And, and, and there are stories like that throughout boxing with him, throughout a lot of boxing with with many many fighters, but yeah, it, it is that is that is the sport, um, and we shouldn't we, we, we don't forget it, you know. Speaking of that sort of category, did you see the Adonis Stevenson video that came out? He was interviewed with his uh, girlfriend or fiance, I believe, and uh, he was talking, and he said he loves the sport. He's so grateful to be healthy, and he wants to train fighters, and that was great to see, Rafe, because that was yeah, obviously- I mean, amazing, amazing uh, recovery. I, I wish I wish that were more common, but it's great that that, you know, that, that is, it seems like he's going to have a pretty good quality of life. You know, sometimes you fear that's not the case. Absolutely. Uh, this past weekend, as well, as we mentioned... Hey, guys. Really proud of my brother being inducted here in Canastata into Hall of Fame. I'm a boxing fan. It's a great celebration right here. I love Canastota. Ah, Canastota. Hello. <laughs> hey, my boxing fans. All right. Yeah, man. Uh, Rafe, it was the uh, in- International Boxing Hall of Fame induction. Guys like Teddy Atlas uh, going in. Uh, our guy Lee from Top Rank going in. It was great to see that as well. Uh, who else? It was just cool to see Lee from Top Rank signing autographs. Yes. What were people? I mean, that's fun. That's the great really publicist. Neat. Yeah, and all you know, James Buddy McGirt. I didn't. I, 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 you know, ran through the speeches on YouTube, caught a little bit. Nothing really too crazy jumped out. But um, when are we gonna buck up and do this? Okay. I almost went a couple years ago when our buddy uh, Nigel Collins went in. I probably should have. Um, I wanted to go that year that Oscar and Tito went in together. I didn't. Calzaghe went in. I didn't go. Rafe, this is your home state, New York. It's, what, four or five hours from me? We got to do it, right? We got to make this pilgrimage. Of course we got to do it. I'd what's love the name? To do it. I would love to shake your hand, Brian. I mean, in Canastota. But Brian, what name will get us there is really what I'm trying to say. Who's who's coming up? Who's on the who's on the horizon? Uh, the Tony the Bomber Bellu in five years? I don't know. I mean, who's go, who's the guy? Bernard that Hopkins could... was probably two or three years away. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's a good one. Would that get us there. Um, Maybe we just say I don't care who's getting in. Could be Dan Rayfield getting in. We're there. Miguel Cotto. You can go there and uh, and, and have a moment with him and Melissa. I mean, like this is what I know. <laughs> That would be fun. Karen Mulvaney would love that. He'll probably be there. Uh, yeah, all right. I just say we have to do it. We should do one of those weird things where you stick one of your body parts in plaster. Not, not margarito style, not anything like that, but they make the, 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 the cast, the cast, cast of, of your, fist of your piece. Or your dong. <laughs> okay, all right. Was not going in that direction, but wow. That's in the back Maybe, room, uh, in the, bo- in the, back, the boxing water. hall of fame. Yeah. When that, you go in the back room, the when back they let room, you yes. back there, they show you the, the dong cast. Yeah. Boy, let me tell you, that Primo Carnera. You can, <laughs> you can rent you, uh, VHS tapes of Yusuf Mack. You can do a lot of things yeah, back there. There's the International Boxing Hall of Fame peep booth on the other <laughs> side. Look, they got it. They got it. They need revenue. All right. You do what you got to do to survive. Wow. Wow. All right, Rafe. Uh, also in the news, um, Andy Ruiz Jr. and Anthony Joshua too. AJ officially Kicked in his rematch clause. We will see that fight likely in December. The debate right now is where I respect AJ's balls, Rafe, because he has come out and said, I got to do it back in the same arena, the same place, MSG, 
to sort of go back and slay my demons. Rafe, you can say what you will about what went wrong. And since we recorded our podcast last week, there's been a lot of different theories. Did AJ get dropped by Doey, Joey DeWedge, Doey Joey DeWedgeco and, <laughs> and get, you know, knocked out a week before? Was, uh, it, God, Triple G came out and said, I think AJ wasn't on drugs this time because he had to do Vada. Triple, heel Triple G coming out and saying that. You could put all that away if AJ is saying, I want to go back to the scene of the crime and make it right. Of course, Eddie Hearn is saying, I want it in England. He wants to cash them checks. You got to respect the man, right? Yeah, that's crazy. You, you, I love the face that Eddie Hearn made in, in one of his video interviews when he was describing that moment, that, that double take, that look like, what, what'd you say, AJ? Why would you want to do that? Like that, if you have the power to, kind of put things in your own backyard to set the terms to put, to give yourself those advantages. Usually you want to see a guy you want, you want to, if you're a promoter, you definitely want to see your guy do that. Yeah. You, you definitely got to respect the ambition, the, the balls on AJ for, for saying, no, I want to go do it right in the same place. All of that. I, I wonder if he shouldn't just be concerned with winning by any means necessary because he needs to win by any means necessary. It, it is a huge, huge blow to his career if he cannot immediately turn this around. Yeah, a lot of things were exposed by that performance, including his back foot game. Now that's called a back foot game. And uh, that was, well, that was quick, talking about his back foot game there against Ruiz. But Dwyer went even further with a warning. In fact, two separate warnings, Rafe. I noticed in the boxing press here online, they're saying Joshua has agreed to an immediate rematch. Player, rethink that. Wow. What's going to be different in a few months? I love when he drops, when he gets gangster on us, when he just goes straight up, player. Hey, player. So my advice to AJ, given that he's a big puncher who has at least a puncher's chance in every fight, Right. My advice to him is, hey, player, don't exercise the immediate rematch. Wow, doubling down right on player. Now. Doubling down on the player. Wow. Let me right. ask you, Brian. And, and I, I mean, like, I don't you think that if you were, if you're only your sole, your sole concern in life was Anthony Joshua's long-term career, getting the, making sure that he has the best possible career in boxing. Isn't, do you think Dwyer might be right that maybe no. if if he did if there weren't all this pressure to keep the the money train rolling that uh, that that he might be better off going back and 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 going to the drawing board getting in the lab maybe developing a back foot game or just working on working on something that is going to keep him from from suffering some of the, the, the issues that really the, that came to, to bite him in this fight against Andy Ruiz. I think the loss was enough of an exposure of those missing things that we all knew he had coming in. And I don't mess I'm not saying missing chin because I don't I, look, it was an equilibrium shot. He never recovered. He was concussed. Say what you will about that. I, I think that that loss exposes, Hey, look, we got to go back to the basics hit our jab, but because here's being really honest. All right, Andrew Ruiz isn't Butterbean. He's not some unknown Rocky Balboa that walked in. We knew he could do this. We knew AJ was vulnerable enough where this actually could happen. But, Rafe, I still think I know who AJ is. And AJ, if fully focused and goes in there with a full training camp focusing on one guy and no excuses whatsoever should beat him, I think you have to run it back 
to instantly regain what was lost. And if he runs the back and he wins in any form, he instantly regains what was lost. I think if you take the circuitous route, you sort of admit a deeper defeat has happened. And I still look back and I say, mentally, no, he did not look like he was there. I don't know the reason, but we've never seen this before. Yeah, we've seen Dillian White shake him. We've seen Eric Molina hit him with a jet. We've seen, like, I, I get it. It's a heavyweight boxing. It happens. But I don't think we saw such a full breakdown in skills. I think he had a really bad night mentally, and I think this was the wake-up call to remove that pressure that's on you as champion and say what you will. There's some talk even, Rafe, about how strict the New York commission is, and if you come in there and you're expected to – Drink Gatorade beforehand and you can only... Nobody nobody wants to use that excuse for how they lost a fight, I'm right? just saying like, there are things that got, that he maybe was more diva than we thought. Anyway... They didn't let me chew my gum. My, this, my, like the, the M&Ms weren't sorted right in my rider on my, my point contract. On this I mean, what is, are we talking about here, Brian? Even if he was a diva coming in more than we realized, this is the wake-up call. You lost, brother. You did handle it with humility. Now go back and get it. If you really are that guy, that's what I'm okay. saying. I would not fear Ruiz knocking him out a second time. That's what I'm yeah. saying. If I think you're, I, I don't, I would fear the, that possibility, of course, or at least be very, uh, you know, concerned about that real, the, the, that, that very real possibility in a rematch. But I do think you're right because that whole plan about rebuilding and, and, and figuring out, you know, adding some skills and really, really trying to, change something fundamental about AJ as a fighter, he can still do that if things don't work out in his rematch with Ruiz. He still can't that, that there's no reason not to take this fight and try to get everything back on track like you're saying to avenge it right away, to not admit that greater flaw. Because if he loses again, then he has no choice but to go back and rebuild. So you might as well take this shot cuz he has a good shot at winning. He is favored. I think that he probably deserves that. Although I, it's a, like like Ruiz, I think we also learned that Ruiz is a lot better than we gave him credit Definitely. for, even knowing that he was skilled. But he didn't one shot AJ. He didn't one shot him. We, he, right, he he beat him. Yeah, and I I don't know. Maybe I'm over over biting down on how good AJ is and how big his nuts are. And no, because you need nuts to fight me. Well, I think he does, Fury. I think he actually does, Tyson. And I think he's going to show that. You need need nuts to fight a Schwarz. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hey, quick couple DM slides. Look, we always say DM season is open. Hit me up at B. Campbell CBS. Ask away. We'll answer it, brother. As ridiculous or serious as you want to get. Also hit us up at Twitter, at State of Combat, at Rafe Boogs. Uh, DM slide from Jerry at JerryV316, Rafe. Hey, BC, looking forward to the pod today. Just a quick question in case you have time to respond. Are we ever going to see that Harrison Charlo PBC face-to-face you hosted, or are they going to have to do it again? Maybe it could be posted on YouTube. Hashtag face-to-face heads want to know. Thanks for any info. Rafe. Here's somebody. my burner account. That's my bur- I am the I am a card carrying member. Just like just like Kevin, I only has his NAACP oh, wow. card. I have a face-to-face heads card. I am not only a client, I am the president. And look, I always been down since the beginning. To this day! That's what I'm saying on that. Um, Jerry, thank you for watching PBC Face-to-Face, which, by the way, you can watch on Fox, catch replays on FS1, FS2, the FS Fox Sports app, whatever you want to call it. We filmed, as you know, that Harrison Charlo a few weeks ago, the best one in this show's history. Good Lord. And Rafe, Three days before that show was to, I'm sorry, four days before that show was to air, 
on Fox. We know Terry, Tony Harrison's ankle injured in sparring or in three spots. He pulls out, needs 10 weeks to recover. Jermel Charlo will face replacement opponent Jorge Coda, who's really only big step up was a knockout loss to Erickson Lubin. Remember Lubin bent forward and hit him with that looping left and stopped him in the fourth round? Um, Coda, I mean, he was a nasty hell of a point guard at what? I think it was Grady High School in Brooklyn. Oh, Ed and Coda. Then yeah, Ed Coda was great. University of North Carolina. I mean, man, yeah. classic, classic no King point guard. Not no. a great shooter, really heady. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, Rafe, so here's the deal. Um, this past week I was in your cité. Emergency. Sound the sirens. PBC, we're making this happen. We did a Jermel Charlo Jorge Coda episode. Rafe, when you when you record PBC face to face, you never know what you're gonna get when they step on that stage and the cameras turn on. Are they gonna act like a tough guy? Are they gonna sell themselves by being funny? Or are they gonna sit there and I won't tell you who did that and do nothing and be a deadbeat? Rafe, Jorge Coda from Mexico, who honestly we didn't know a lot about coming in. Wow. This episode debuted this past Saturday on Fox. Look out for replays. Coda came in there like a Bond villain. And was like, I'm the demon and I'm coming for your soul, basically. Rafe, this was good TV. I don't know if the fight's going to be good. Check it out Sunday night, June 23rd, when Jermel Charlo faces Jorge Coda on Fox. That's not the question. That's not the question, Brian. The question is, are we going to see the Harrison Charlo one? Because I don't care. I'm sure Jorge Coda really brought it for that show. But nobody – we saw in the press conference, nobody brings it quite like Tony Harrison brings it. And they'll make that rematch eventually, so we'll see it. But we won't see see a version of it. But, damn, I want that tape. I'm like, Paulie, release the tape. Release it, (laughs) goddammit. I actually think it's – make me turn into a bare-knuckle fighter to make you release this tape? It's going to be like – Fight your cousin Mike? Wow, it's gonna be. I want the parts of your cousin Mike. He looks like he can handle himself. He's younger. It's like me. It's like you fighting Brandon Wise. I want. I'm not falling into that trap. By the way, Wise in Austin, Texas, over the weekend, getting fat on barbecue. Don't think I wasn't watching on Instagram. I'm coming for you. Thank you, um, Rafe. Unfortunately, I really don't think it's going to see the light of day. They didn't want to run any of the parts of it in the Coda episode because it didn't make a ton of sense. And we probably film a new one ahead of the uh, when they redo it again. Unfortunately, like Bob Dylan's basement tapes, like. Uh, what was that Guns N' Roses album that took 15 years to come out? Chinese Democracy. It, it, it's gonna, one day I think it'll leak and, you know, we'll be there to, to sweep up the fluids while Barack the Boxing Bully best to collect that load when it comes out. But wow. Hey, second DM from Cuba DSU on Twitter. He says, Hey BC, the question on everyone's mind right now, can you confirm or deny that Dwyer will be replacing Rafe Bartholomew on the SOC Boxing Podcast. Wow. Hey, Cuba DSCU, revisit the earlier part of the show when we talked about that. But, Rafe, if it did have to be get to the divorce level, if this is it for you and me, it could do worse than Dwyer. Absolutely, man. I, I, look, Brian, I wouldn't even be offended if there was no reason and you just said – Rafe, you gotta go. I got Dwyer coming in. Dwyer, this is, this is, Dw- this is Dwyer's night now. Hey, hey, hey. This is Dwyer's. I let, look, I would step back. I would be like AJ to Andy Ruiz and I'd be like, hey, player, fair play. You, you, this is all you, brother. I would never ask you to do that though, obviously. Folks, that's not the way men do it. No chance. But, uh, Holmes, uh, just don't end up in that side though. You're in the wrong part of the ring, Holmes. Um, yeah, I don't know, Rafe. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about a future without the without the ropes together, the brothers ropes back True. at it. So, all so right. Brian, all of that talk about PBC shoulder programming yes. reminded me of an amazing thing I revisited 
this weekend. I know it was a little too late for the fight, but the PBC, like, 40 days, 24-7, whatever you want to call it, video that they put online for Ivan Redcatch and Devin Alexander. Countdown, PBC out- Countdown. Yes, the PBC Countdown. Yes, Ivan that on is DVR. a brand that I'm familiar with. Ivan- PBC Countdown with Devin Alexander and 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 Redcatch. Ivan Redcatch was phenomenal. Roy Jones Ooh. training Devin is in. He there's a part and it's a, it's on Instagram. Ah, uh, Roy is like you got to be ready. He ha- he has Devin training in his in his gym in Pensacola, Florida, and he's like, I got dogs walking through the gym because you got to be ready for anything. Sometimes a, a dog is gonna <laughs> walk through, and you just got to fight around it. And I'm thinking, Roy, what are you talking about? Who when when does a dog walk through the ring in the middle of a professional <laughs> boxing match? And he's got they're showing footage of Devin sparring and and working the mitts, and their little and their dogs running around in between his legs. It is outstanding. Roy has a throne in his gym that he sits on and coaches from. Oh, wow, bro. When I beat Bernard Hopkins, I want the IBF. The right was hurt, beat him with the left. Yo, I must have got, forgot, forgot, Yeah. You remember the left hook that came to me? Guys, suck a move I stole from a game cock. Yo, I must have forgot, forgot. Well, I, I always, I always play the part of John Pascal in the locker room before the Kovalev rematch. When I hear that song, I'm just like, that was the greatest moment in HBO boxing history. Let's be honest. There. <laughs> John uh, Pascal Ray- was part of like all the top four, top five, you know? Yes. I mean, B-Hop was in his ass, Brian. Yeah, that, that's how gangster he is. Rafe, we're at the point, we don't even play sound drops anymore. We just regurgitate them. So what if somebody was new to the show? What if, they love them some Bob Arum. They came to the show this week. They got this far into the episode. They're like, what the hell are these two guys talking about? If you don't like it, then turn off your damn station. <laughs> and also a disclaimer to women, to women, to new listeners. We don't normally, you know, reference them or acknowledge them until we fornicate with them. So that's really where that goes right there. It was on. Did you like that? I love you. I love you. Yes. 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 Gracias. Uh, gracias. Rafe, gracias. Get off my screen. Uh, do you care about this weekend, Rafe? You ready to play this game? Yeah, it's a good weekend. There's a lot to care about. I don't want to get in the middle of your whole day at the athletic. I know you and Cop probably got some conference calls, maybe FaceTime. Nonstop. We're, 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 we're always chatting on the, on the messaging apps. I don't like to refer to it by name because that's a sort of a podcast tick that people don't like. I don't particularly listen to hear about it, but y'all know the app. Yeah. Uh, stick picks or no? Look, it's 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 optimized for stick picks. I'm just right. saying. All right, here we go. This weekend, Thursday, Rafe, Hollywood, California, RingTV.com. Seniesa Estrada versus Gretchen Abaniel. Ten rounds, female junior flyweights. What the hell is Golden Boy doing? Do you care, Rafe? Don't really care. I've seen Estrada fight on undercards. Pretty, she, she's been good in terms of senior. I'm not gonna. I don't care about this though. That's your backyard. You could potentially visit that, Rafe. You know, I, I always get excited for these, for these LA sort of club fights, like the ones that Tom Loeffler does in Hollywood. And they, the, the thing that makes it difficult, I guess I, now that I'm, now that I'm real pressed, it doesn't matter. I could just waltz in like I'm the man, like I own the joint. But before I would be, I, I, I used to like to attend fights as a fan. I used to like to buy a ticket and watch. And especially for like a club fight that was going to cost 20 or 50 bucks to get in. Cool. I'm down with that. Now, you, they, they put these things in Hollywood and try and make it into some kind of boutique experience with lounge tables. Like the, if you remember back on Friday Night Fights, the Curtis Stevens Hassan Endom fight that they did at, at the Hangar in Santa Monica, and oh yeah, it was 
they, I mean, that's, it, it did produce some amazing boxing internet memes. You got like Stallone and his, you know, Sylvester and Frank Stallone sitting next to each other. Stallone trying to take the selfie. You had the famous Shane Mosley point at the camera and wink yeah. at the end of the broadcast. It was a great night, <laughs> but it cost a arm and a leg to get in there because they were just trying to sell it as some sort of weird, like, like underground fighting this circuit Europe. with a bunch of people in fur coats and yeah, this ain't Monaco, the last scene bro. in Lionheart. I mean, it was just it was not my scene. Prince Albert from Monte Carlo will not be there. This ain't this ain't Europe. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh Saturday in Las Vegas, this is the 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 big fight of the weekend in terms of uh people maybe caring. ESPN Plus, the undercards begin on ESPN two, and it's Tyson Fury, and it is Rafe. The Schwartz. That is the guy we've been waiting to see. Fury needs the Schwartz and then another fight with the buildup and then the fight will happen. And may the Schwartz be with you. All right. Open that club. Thank you, Barf. Uh, Rafe, Tom Schwartz, the unbeaten German. Let's talk about his back foot game. Well, he that wasn't using much. He's been fighting a lot of Euro jobbers. That I mean, was a short he's conversation. Beaten, he's beaten both Dennis and Christian Lewandowski out there <laughs> in Germany. He, I, I, I was taking a look at him trying to figure out, trying to see the whole man, and he just hasn't, um, he hasn't had the opportunities yet to put it all out there to really show us everything he's got. Now, he hasn't and, shown us the full know, package. Boxing is a crazy sport. Sometimes a guy is just that good. Some people were yeah. born ready. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll see if Tom Schwartz is. I wouldn't bet on it. I love Bob Arum to open the show. was like, you know, he's not as good as Fury, but uh, he's hungry. He was in my office. He told me he was going to win. Uh, uh, all right. I mean, look, I, I didn't see the whole man. Maybe the package is, you know. Because they had a full package. Where are they going to get that full package today? Yeah, I finally found that sound drop, by the way. Uh, Fury look is going to. He's going to Schwartz this guy. So here's the deal. We want to see – what do we want to see, Rafe? We haven't seen Tyson Fury since that incredible Deontay Wilder fight where he got up off the canvas twice, amazingly finished it, got kind of robbed with that draw. Do we want to see Rafe? And we've seen him shirtless dancing around the gym lately. A little bit of a pooch belly, but in great shape overall. What are you actually looking to see? Technically, power, speed, what – Outside of just a, hey, Tyson Fury's back. Let's watch it. What are you hoping to see that could tell you things about the future? Well, I want to see what I would – I don't know if I expect this. But what I would like to see from Fury is something that makes me feel like he is actually getting better, that he's getting better and better, that he he hadn't shaken off all of the rust that he'd accumulated through gaining over 100 pounds and being out of the sport for a couple of years, eating – tainted boar testicle meat, all of the things that happened. I, I, I want, I, I, there's some people who believe that he's still getting better, that, that wild, that, that in the Wilder fight where Fury was brilliant, that Fury, that wasn't even him at his best, that he's still getting better. If we could see something that suggests that, if he looks even faster, sharper, a little more dangerous, maybe flashes some power, maybe sits down on punches and, and backs up Schwartz, that would be impressive. If he, if he comes out, Tyson Fury doesn't always approach fights this way. In fact, I, I, now he seems to have a different mental outlook than he had in the first part portion of his career. So maybe this will be different. But if you use the earlier parts of his career as a guide, 
he would fight up and down to the level of his opposition because yes. he knows that he's just better than a, than a, than some of these mid-level fighters and he doesn't need to come in and show them everything he can do um so I wouldn't be surprised if we see some version of that, although he does look like he's still – he hasn't put on weight, which is a good sign. Um, but I, I would love it if he goes out there and makes some kind of statement. That doesn't mean he has to just destroy, obliterate, knock out Schwartz in three rounds or something like that because that's usually not what we see from Tyson Fury. But I would like to not see him making it into a circus like it was with Surf and Safari or Fran- Frankie Pianetta, Pinata Man. Like, I don't really want him to go back to just clowning around with guys who are way beneath him. Yes. Make a statement. Show us that you are, you, people are calling him the guy at heavyweight, the man at heavyweight. And heavyweight's and, hot right now. So you, you think that the plus is going to use his debut there to bring eyes. Yeah. And, and, and if the, and if those eyes are, are going there, you know, Fury, I hope he does something to impress them, to make them, to make people think. Cause look, if we're talking about building Fury, Wilder Fury 2 into a 2 million pay-per-view fight, Fury needs to start building up that case right now, yeah. starting this week. He needs, he needs to, to do something that makes people take notice and say, Oh my God, I cannot wait for this rematch next year. I cannot wait to see these guys fight again. I cannot wait to see Deontay Wilder face Luis Ortiz. I cannot wait to see whoever. Fury fights after the Schwarz. And then when they fight each other again, it's going to be huge. If, if Fury comes out and it's a little bit boring, doesn't really show anything new, just coasts because he can, again, because he's better than his opponent, I don't know if that, that's starting off. If you're thinking of this as the long road to Wilder Fury 2, that's not how he wants to start that road off. No, that's not how men do it. You want to hear less of this. I do stuff that people don't do in boxing. When have you ever seen two men face to face before they fight and the other man kiss him on the lips? You want to see more of this. Well, I'm not bang. See you later. Left, right, good night. I'd actually like to see him get a stoppage to make a statement. And I know he's not a giant power puncher, but it's not like he's feather fisted, Rafe. I mean, he was hurting Wilder in that 12th round when he got up off the canvas. He could finish guys if he sets it upright and gets him out of there. I think he should try to do that in this fight to make a little bit of a statement, and then I think he should sing afterwards. I think he should do that ridiculousness, but do it after the fight. Be the, be oh, yeah. the, be I the love showman the that he show. is. I just want to see him be the best he can in the ring. No doubt about it. Absolutely. He'll never jack. Let's get a stoppage. Let's actually bang that drum on the road to Fury Wilder 2. Rafe, if you and are Bob Arum, do you match him again, though, before that spring 2020 Wilder one? Do you have him come I back? I hope so, yes. But yeah, you, you wait kind? like almost an entire year well, fighting who? nobody. The only fight between was the Schwarz. I don't fight. Let, I don't really care. Bogdan There's good Dino? fighters out there. Make him earn that a little bit, man. If if this is a historical heavyweight, why should he be afraid to go fight Kubrat Pulev in between? Why should he be afraid for any of that stuff? Go yeah. win a Go win a fight. I don't care. Yeah. Stop that crap. I love it. I'm with you. Uh, co-main event, Rafe. Do you care about this? Sullivan, Barrera, Jesse Hart, 10 rounds, light heavyweights. I kind of don't hate this. You? Not at all. That's a really good fight. I mean, it, it sounded like Hart was having problems making weight along with Zerto. They're both moving up to 175 after their collaborations at 168. Hart is a good, like, it's going to be a fun fight, I think. Is, uh, Sullivan Barrera still a main events fighter? We see some Nikki Duva on the timeline. We we're gonna to have to ask. We're gonna to have to we're gonna to have to reach out. I thought, but I think so. I don't. I didn't hear any. I haven't heard about him signing with anybody else. But it's hard to keep track of all this stuff. Hey, uh, in the opener, Michaela Mayer, Rafe versus Lizbeth Crespo, ten rounds, female junior lightweights. Do you remember on the show, Michaela came on here and basically said she was a bad girl. 
when she when she got into boxing. I did not like the way you said that, Brian. Like, I'm I'm uncomfortable. I, like, Does that I, look so creepy? Like, that was like old guy creepy stuff right there. That was a little because like you've been a bad girl. Wow, I was not going in that direction. Yes, thank you. Wow. All right. Uh, do you care a little bit? No. Yeah, I really care. You're such a, you're such a liar. Such an absolutely deep a hole of a liar. Yes. All right. I normally don't do interview with women unless I fornicate. No, no, no. Stop you that. do not, Stop do not that. play that tape about Stop me, that. man. Stop that. Thank you. I'm going to make you my girlfriend. No, 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 no. Uh, Saturday, Rafe. So here's the deal on Saturday. ESPN Plus has three different cards, Rafe. I assume these two I'm about to tell you, I assume they're MTK global productions that will happen during the day before Tyson Fury at night. But one of them, of course, we care about from Leeds, England on ESPN Plus on Saturday. Josh Warrington defends his IBF featherweight title against Kid Galahad. Warrington has been a great story, Rafe, here at, at 126. Kind of, we thought he may have been more of an opponent. And with that friggin' aggressive style, took Taddy Flanagan to the cleaners and then came back. And who did he beat last time? All right, I, I believe you're not talking about Terry Flanagan, but Lee Selby. Lee Selby. They're, look, all the Welsh mother, the the Welsh Mayweather. All them top blokes, and then yeah, and that, then Carl Frampton, and then Carl Frampton, which was a Terry. hell of a win, and that was a fun ass fight. Kid Galahad's a name. He kind of sounds like he belongs in like 1930s boxing with Raskin's guys, Slappy, Maxi, Rosenblum, Brooklyn's <laughs> great Jewish champion. But uh, I, what, do we know anything about Kid to know that this will be a uh, a test? Yeah, I mean, he's a, I mean, he, you know, he's a, he has a good amateur pedigree. He's, you know, sort of a well regarded featherweight in the UK. He's a, more of a slick fighter. He's going to try and, and make Warrington miss and frustrate him a little bit and, and, and outpoint him. And there's some reason to believe he could do that. Um, Warrington is, is favored because of the great wins he had over Selby and Frampton, who were the best fighters in the UK at the weight. So, but this is, and there's also some some anger there uh, because Galahad has had some uh, PED suspensions in the past, or one, I think. I should not say some. Um, well, and you do Warrington once, has made that a thing. He's been like, it. I don't respect people who do that. And you know, that's a fair thing for fighters to say. You have to get in there with somebody who who is taking uh, banned substances to hurt you with. I, I I understand where why one would be so upset. Um, but anyway, there's some heat behind it. It's a it's a high it's a pretty strong matchup. It's not a dream matchup at 126, but it's a legit fight. I like what they're doing though on the ESPN side at 126. When you have Oscar Valdez, when you have Frampton, Warrington, we can really make some fun fights. Look on Kid Juicing back in the day. We did dope. We've been doing doping from the beginning. All right, that's just the way it is in boxing in 2019. That's how men roll. All right. Yes, I thought I had another sound drop. I don't. Thank you. Wow. All right. He's got so much juice and you've not seen any of it yet. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Uh, there it is. Rafe in the Coleman event. Jason Wellborn, the guy who overachieved against Jared Hurd on that Wilder Fury pay-per-view undercard and then got sent to hell against JJ Metcalf, 12 rounds, vacant Commonwealth junior middleweight title. Do you care at all? I don't know if I care about that All one. Right. What about this other plus card Saturday from Tweed Heads, Australia? Andrew Maloney, the junior Bantamweight in the main event against Ruben Montoya, and Jason Maloney, Bantamweight, co-main event against Cesar Ramirez. Are these those two Maloney, Jason Litzow twins that, uh, did Bob sign them? I'm lost here. I don't do research. I, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know. 
So I saw somebody on Twitter was excited about it. I, maybe there's something there. <laughs> Some I'm, white I'm, guy? I, I'll look it up. I'll revisit the collaboration. All right. Hey, the Maloney's are fighting on the plus. Thank you. Here's what you actually care about, Rafe, because you love it, Rafe. When oh, we cruise yes. together, you you love it when we talk about cruising, which we never do anymore. The more the only talk we had is my family cruise on here. We don't really do this at all anymore. But let's bring back an oldie but goodie, Rafe. Oh yeah. Feel that, yeah. Here we go. Hey, Rafe. It's time to talk a box with ya! Talk to me, baby. Talk a little cruiser's bar. You're not quite heavy. You know that they can box up. Pete O'Neill Bell had a stick, yeah. And when Richard Chipper put the cash down, all the cruisers come running. They don't care where the money comes from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna fly away when you box my way. I love, I love it when we're together. Cruising was made for box. Respect was made for box. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love it when we're cruising together. Hey, Rafe, the World Boxing Super Series semifinals in the zone from the boxing hotbed of Riga, Latvia. And hey, this one matters. Mighty Spritus versus Kristoff Glowatsky for Glowatsky's WBO Cruiserweight title. It will also be for the vacant WBC Cruiserweight title, given up, of course, by Alexander Usyk moving up in weight. Who would the winner advance to fight? The winner would fight the, the, oh, the, the winner the, of the, the other fight on the card, Tabidi right. and Dortikos. Let's start here. Bridus Glowatsky. Look, Bridus was... uh a guy who could have won that first time around. He gave Usyk our, really the toughest fight of his career, Rafe. Straight up. Now tell me he did. Skolwatsky still have enough juice left, if you will, to make this. So that's what I want to know because before Glowatsky lost this belt to Usyk, which at this point in time, a loss to Usyk is, is looking like in which he didn't get – he got outclassed, but Usyk showed him a lot of respect, didn't go after him, was was content to outpoint him and just walk away with that title. Maybe Glowoski is, is better than we thought, and we just sort of have forgotten because the train has moved on without him. He wasn't in the first season of the WBSS Cruiserweight. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him against this level of opponent in Briedis, the Latvian, who – the other thing, he had – Briedis, as great as he was – as close as much as he pushed Usyk last year, he's fought twice since then and hasn't looked as good. Maybe he lost some. Maybe he lost a little part of him in that fight, or he he gave so much in that fight he he hasn't gotten it all back. I hope that's not the case because I like him as a fighter. Yeah, but man. he hasn't looked the same. Um, I, I'm both guys. I want to. It's. It, I think it's a really strong matchup and one that I'm ex- is going to tell us about. The level of, of both of these fighters when it's over. Yeah, look, Glowatsky, I, I, I sort of, uh, preemptively suggested Washation without representation. He's 32. Only that one loss to Usyk. And of course, we knew his name from that PBC upset knockout of Marco Hook. Comes back, wins a decision over Steve Cunningham. Since. Drop, drop Cunningham like four times in that fight. That guy's got heavy hands. And since that loss to Usyk, he has now won five in a row. 
Uh, two of those guys were unbeaten. You've probably never heard of anyone but Maxim Vlasov. But look, this is a good-ass fight to see if Myris Bridey still has it and to see who will go on to the finals to face the winner of this co-main event when the Doritos man, Cool Ranch, Unier, Dorticos, takes on Andrew Tabidi, Floyd Mayweather's guy, 12 rounds for the vacant IBF interim cruiserweight title. Wow. Who comes out of these two to set up this WBSS Part 2 cruiserweight final? I'm thinking, I'm thinking Glowatsky, Dorticos. That's what I'm thinking. Um, Tabidi, maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. We just haven't seen it with him yet. We don't know how good he is. He hasn't looked amazing, but he's obviously looked sharp. He can box. Dorticos, I thought he was nasty, nasty until that Morat Garcia fight. And he fought well, fought very hard, fought really brave before that, like, like just incredible 12th round knockout. All the emotion in that fight, my field spots just pumping right now, thinking about it. Dordikos, um, he's predictable a little bit. He's a one-two guy, right? Got a great straight right hand and he just works that one-two. Not, that's what he's going to march forward and, and, and do that to you. Is he, wait, he's, is he a right or is he a southpaw? Thank you, southpaw. Sorry about that. Anyway, but he's going to throw straights and, and he's got power. This will be a test. There is a roadmap to how you beat him and how Tabidi can outbox him. But he's going to have to execute it, and I don't think Dordicos is going to make it easy on him. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I favor the Cuban, but we're also – this is another one where we're going to learn something about a, a young fighter who we, we don't really know how how talented he is or what his ceiling is yet. And we'll see whether Dordicos still is at the top of this division. I love this tournament. I love the WBSS. They made me care about all these unbeaten European cruisers. Now these guys all have one loss and they're coming back into a second tournament. I mean, Dordicos bounced back from that Gassiev stoppage in a hell of a fight last year to uh, get a decision over Matus Masternak. So we're going to see. We're going to see. Maybe, Rafe, maybe Dordicos is the guy who comes out of this tournament because he was looking damn good until Gassiev got him. And guess what? Gassiev ain't in this tournament. Yeah, that could be the, the, the two the two boogeymen of the division, Usyk and Gassiev, fought. Usyk was the better man. Now they're both at heavyweight. So this is wide open once again. Usyk is, is letting his belts go on, move on, fly away. He still has his Ali trophy. He's he's going to heal from the biceps injury and move on to heavyweight. So yeah, this division is wide open again and it's fun. It's still fun, man. Yeah, man. Big, big steak. Big steak. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of tents popping for this one. All right, Rafe. Uh, the cruiserweight magic doesn't end there. Sunday. I don't know if this is Cloud TV or any other website where your laptop yes. can catch an STD. But yeah, in at Katzenberg, Russia, we were wrong last week when we preemptively said Ilunga Makabu would take on Mike Perez again for like the 50th time this year that we But thank God fight. we were wrong, Brian, so we, because this fight, this fight, tell me about we this We get fight. a doubleheader of cruiserweights in the main event, Ilunga Makabu versus the hammer, Dmitry Kudrashov, 12 rounds, cruiserweights, Rafe. Does the hammer still have it? Why is he not in the WBSS? I love this fight. Absolutely, Brian. First of all, though, you can't call him Ilunga Maccabi. That, the Maccabi games are, that's a reference to the, 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 the Jewish athletic contest, the Maccabi games that happens in Israel. I had friends who I used to play ball with who traveled back there. They played at like the 92nd Street Y. They would sneak me in. It was fun. Um, in any case, it's Ilunga Junior Makabu. 
Um, and of course, I love me some Dmitry the Hammer Kudrashov, a guy with nothing but just insane, brutal punching power. I mean, when he, he punches holes through people, Brian, it has happened. It hasn't happened yet in a boxing ring. That's because they wear gloves. But this is, I mean, this is going to be fun. We know that Kudrashov is very limited. But he's pretty tough. He takes a decent punch, except for when Dortikos just sent him all the way to hell, had him making Curtis Stevens' faces in round one of last year's WBSS Cruiserweight Tournament. And he also got stopped on an accumulation of bro- blows, of accumulation of bros, too many wow. bros, man, Where by uh, our man Ol- Olin Raju Durandola. He's a tough name for me going off the top of the dome. But anyway, Kutrashov Limited. Still, so much fun. Huge power in his left hook. I cannot say that enough times. It's just crazy. And Makabu can fight. He's a better boxer, but not like some kind of slick defensive artist. He's going to come in there and bang too. He's a little bit quicker. It's basically who gets to who first. This is going to be just three rounds of fun, big, dangerous men. I want guys, Brian. I want guys in this one. Kudrashov, 23 and 2 with 23 KOs. The guy bangs. Looking forward to reading about that one because I don't think we're going to find a stream on that, Rafe. In the co-main oh, event, I will get though, there. I will make it happen. Do you care about Mike Perez versus Alexei Igorov? No, right? No. No. Uh, only because I care about cruiserweights. All right. Hey, Ray, special thanks to, to Grandpa himself, Bob Aram, for joining us. Hello, Grandpa. How are you doing? He's doing good there, Isaac. Thank you. Uh, Rafe, shout out to you. Shout out to the athletic boxing and MMA pages that have launched. Uh, revisit Rafe Books' Twitter at Rafe Books for more information on how to subscribe and all that. And Rafe, for as long as this marriage lasts, just know I appreciate you. I will be there for you. These five words, I swear to you. It's like a tug and war of kindness right now, Brian. Yes, and just like uh, Keith and Mrs. Thurman, the way that we met each other, Rafe, ultimately, to be really honest with the people, is... The first day, I might have had a little too much to drink when I met her. <laughs> that is very, very... Wow, that one blew up in my face. Let's talk about a fight that blew up in my face. Okay, uh, thank you to Richard Dwyer for playing a big role. Yes, I'm telling you fans, you listeners, I will reach out to Dwyer this week. Already moving on from me before I even know what's going on. Already. All right. Wow. Wow. All right. I mean, yeah. Okay. Anyway, Rafe, you got anything else? You got anything else or no? No? Nope. Uh, you know, check out The Athletic. You don't got to pay for it if you don't want to, but you do if you want to read it, and I would appreciate it if you did. Other than that, I'm very excited to be doing this, and I they will have to drag me away from you, Brian. They will have to put the gun to my head and take me away. I will have to be kidnapped to, to end this, all right? Please, please. Uh, come back next week. We will uh, we'll dig it again. Boom, dig it again, dig it again. <laughs> boom, boom. We out.